Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome, Isham Nation, to the Process This podcast. This is episode number 20. It's great to be here with you and have the opportunity to talk with you again Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for supporting Isham Education. Today we're starting off the show with Mailbox Mania, where we're taking a look at the American Journal of Infection Control publication, and then I have the pleasure of talking with our featured guest, the Director of Isham Education, Natalie Lynn, discussing the topic of bullying. Isham Nation, due to the ongoing high demands facing our profession, we at Isham wanted to help reduce some of the pressure by extending the deadline to submit speaker presentations for the 2021 Isham Annual Conference and Expo that takes place May 1st through the 5th in 2021 in the lovely city of Columbus, Ohio. Isham is seeking presenters and educators who offer insight, strategies, tactics, timely information, and hands-on resource materials along with relevant experience that meet the high standards of our conference participants. All presentation submissions must now be received no later than Monday, August 10th. Hey, this is a great opportunity. Don't delay. Submit those presentations today. And now it's time for the segment, Mailbox Mania. Today in Mailbox Mania, we're taking a look at the July 2020, Volume 48, Number 7, American Journal of Infection Control, or some of you may know it as the AGIC publication. Our first article is titled, Washer Disinfector and Alkaline Detergent Efficacy Against C. diff on Plastic Bed Pans. Now the background for this article, C. diff is a major cause of infectious antibiotic-resistant diarrhea or C. diff spores that are shed in patient's stool, are hardy, and difficult to kill. Bed pens are often used by patients with C. diff infections and require proper handling and cleaning or disposal to prevent the transmission of C. diff spores and other infectious organisms into the environment. Now, disposable bed pans are often used for convenience, which has consequences from an environmental sustainability perspective. Now, this study evaluates the ability for a washer disinfector device to efficiently clean and disinfect C. diff spores and E. coli from bed pans for sanitary reuse. Now, a commercially available washer disinfector device was evaluated for both the efficacy and thermal disinfection against C. diff spores and E. coli using one disinfection cycle per test. Bed pans were not rinsed or dumped prior to placement in the washer disinfectant. Bed pans were then sampled using swabs, and then microorganisms were eluded from the swabs and a log kill was calculated. Now the findings for this article, the average log kill for C. diff spores was 3.99 and a little bit less less than 
uh, 7.69 for E. coli. Uh, the thermal disinfection results showed uh, showed an average kill log of 4.31 for C. diff and less than uh, 7.23 for E. coli. Now the conclusions drawn from this article were that the washer disinfector was efficacious against both C. difficile spores and E. coli when used according to the manufacturer's instructions for use, which suggested a, that it is a viable alternative to disposable bedpan waste management. Now, uh, if you're looking for this article, you can find this article on the AGIC website, or you can befriend an infection preventionist uh, who can get you this publication. Okay, I have waited long enough, and so if you've been listening, uh, maybe you picked up on some red flags, but when I was reading this article, I picked up some definite red flags, and that's why I really picked this article, because you know, as, as sterile processing professionals, we need to be up to date with the literature coming out. And, you know, how does that affect our department? Here are a few things that I picked up on. Uh, one, disposable bedpans. So this, this article uh, evaluates or this study evaluates the ability to sanitarily reuse disposable bedpans. Okay. Well, the word, the key word here for me is disposable bedpans. And in our world, disposable sounds a whole lot like single use, right? Or in this case, uh, single patient use. So disposable bedpans are meant to be thrown away, not reused, right? It's kind of all in the name, right? Disposable. So if you're looking for a sustainable solution, then use reusable bedpans, right? Use something that is meant to be reprocessed, meant to be clean, meant to go through a washer disinfector, not necessarily a plastic bedpan. So this, this should be really be a rant, and I guess I should have done this segment for the what's on my mind, um, but this is exactly how facilities get in trouble, doing things essentially off-label. You know, because the next thing you know, you're going to be asked to sterilize single-use instruments, really, to you know, to save a buck or two, right? So, first red flag for me: uh, disposable bedpans. And, okay, so let's move on. The next red flag: uh, bedpans. <laughs> okay, so this is gross. So the next red flag: bedpans were not rinsed or dumped prior to placement in the washer disinfector. Okay, what? Okay, first of all, that's gross. So don't read this and think that this is a good process or a good practice, right? Uh, anytime you have gross debris uh, prior to putting that into the washer, make sure you're cleaning that off, please. And, and I have a reason why. So I've used washers in the past and car washers uh, that were eco-friendly. You know, they saved water, right? Uh, well, these machines... That eco-friendly, what it meant was is that washer would store water in a tank for reuse, right? So every five or so cycles, it would cycle through this water tank, this reused water, instead of getting a fresh a tank of water every time. So let's think about this. If you have one of these type of washers, right, and you're not renting off your gross debris, 
right? You're just dumping it right into the washer. Man, you are potentially uh, going to have floating material around in that load. You know, how long is this C. diff going to stay in the water? So, you know, no thanks, right? Go ahead and wa rinse off your instruments. Rinse off any gross debris that's going to enter into your washer disinfector, right? So enough said with that one. Uh, last, last flag, um, and this is in the conclusion, and I didn't read this part, uh, but it says, and these are quotes, even with a high reduction of bacterial spores and vegetative cells, it is possible for residual bacteria to still be present on the bedpan, end quote. Okay, okay, right? They're saying in the study that it's there's still possible residue residual bacteria on these bedpans okay again no thank you right so i'm not really sure what the cost of a plastic bedpan is but i think i have you know some reservations about this process in this study and i would really be interested to see what the cost of labor and the cost to process a plastic bedpan would be as opposed to just throwing that bedpan away. Now, again, it's, I, I'm, I'm all for the eco-friendly, right? Uh, say, you know, conserving our environment and, and reducing waste. But I think a better alternative here would be to purchase a, a reusable bedpan that is designed for that purpose if you're going to go that route. Right, again, I'd like to see the cost of the plastic bedpans, I'd like to see the cost of labor and the processing. Uh, but, you know, th this is just a good example of why it's really important for stale processing folks to be up to date on this literature, on these publications that come out. So we can see what folks are doing and then evaluate the potential effects that it could really have on sterile processing. We, we do the reprocess a, a single use device in the washer disinfector, it comes out, you know, there's potentially still C. diff on there. You know, are we, are we cross-contaminating? What, what, what's the, what are the potential outcomes uh, for doing this? So it, it's a good article and, you know, I, I think you should read it really in, in its entirety and really just form your own opinions of the article. Okay, our last article is titled Pseudo Outbreak of Microbacterium Fortuitum in a Hospital Bronchoscopy Unit. Now the background here, uh, this microbacterium uh, survives in different environmental conditions, bioformation and resistant to chlorinated disinfectants make its isolation frequent in a hospital environments. Even being involved in outbreaks by contamination of medical equipment such as bronchoscopes. Now they describe the pseudo outbreak of this microbacterium from being isolated in samples from nine patients who underwent a bronchoscopy in the pulmonology bronchoscopy unit of a hospital. Now they proceeded to investigate the pseudo outbreak with a combination of epidemiological, environmental, and molecular typing data. So the results uh, that they came up with was the source or the reservoir for this pseudo outbreak was the hospital water used by the bronchoscopy automatic washing machine. And so this machine apparently 
uh, did not have an antibacterial filter. So control measures were taken, molecular typing was performed on seven strands from seven patients, and a sample of water was collected from the tap uh, from that pulmonology bronchoscopy unit, all of which had the same pattern. So their conclusions were that uh, they demonstrated the presence of a non-tuberculosis myobacteria in the hospital water supply, and thus the need to take measures against them uh, because they compromised patients' health. So they also suggested that there was a need for the hospital to have water quality guidelines and methods to control or eliminate this bacteria. So another good article and a great example of how water quality can affect patient care. You know, water is an important component in sterile processing, and really it's often overlooked and even forgotten about. So if you haven't listened to episode 18, all about water quality, you know, after this episode, make that one your next one because it gives you some great information. You know, I I think water quality is really going to be a hot topic just because of the fact that, uh, you know, it it plays second fiddle to everything else, right? It's often something overlooked, right? So uh, make sure you check out that episode 18. uh, Good information on water quality. And then again, a good article from the AJIC publication. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode of Mailbox Mania. My guest today needs no introduction. She is the world-renowned Natalie Lynn. So thank you, Natalie, for joining us on this Process This podcast. In the past few years, you've presented many programs on department culture and bullying. What made you choose that focus? You know, John, to be honest, it was an accident. We were looking for some some balance in our program for our 2016 annual conference, and we realized we had never touched on that topic, and we thought, well, here's a topic we haven't talked about. We know there's some bullying going on in the workplace. It may be an issue. So we went ahead, put it on the program, and I chose to be the presenter for that program. I can tell you I was shocked. All of the education group was shocked at the response to that program. Immediately after the program, I had people in the hallway in tears telling me their bullying stories. I had people emailing me after the meeting. I had requests to come out to other hospitals and other chapters to talk about it. And so in 2018, we repeated it. We did another program on bullying, and the very same thing happened. Since then, we have had many, many programs requests on the topic of bullying. In fact, it's become our most requested program. How common is bullying in the workplace? Well, I think when we think of bullying, we think of the playground bully. We think of bullying in school, you know, that grade school, middle school, high school, and We don't really think about the workplace, but it's obviously very common. And I did some research into it, and I found that it's not just sterile processing. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in the healthcare facility at all levels, and it's happening in other industries as well. So it really is a big problem. So does bullying in healthcare 
the workplace really impact patient care? Oh, I think it impacts patient care much more than people realize. First of all, it takes our mind off what we're there to do. We're there to put instruments and case cards out that are defect-free, that are perfect. But if you're worrying about what someone has is going to say to you or what someone has said to someone else, or if you're worrying about the culture of your department, your mind isn't on your work. So I think that's the first place that we see it. I think that in some bullying situations, employees may be hesitant to ask questions because they're afraid they're going to be made fun of. I think that bullying increases turnover in departments. So we're in a constant training phase because we're losing people, we're hiring someone new, and we can never build people up to the skill level where they need to be. So from your experience, what's what makes people bully others? I think if I knew the answer, I could probably sell it and make millions of dollars. But I do think, and I've seen that there are several factors. For some, it may be an anger issue. They may have stress and frustration, and they may just have anger issues where they take that out on the people around them. I think it can just be, I'll say what my grandmother used to say, just plain meanness. But I think in other cases, there are other reasons that people bully. I think it could be a misplaced sense of humor. Some people use sarcasm as humor, and it can cut down other people. It can cut down their coworkers. So I think that it can be that. Bullying is a learned behavior. Many times people who bully, they saw that in other situations, whether it was when they were growing up or when they were in another job or whatever. And so they learned that behavior. And I think that not everyone realizes that they're bullying. I think some people think they're being funny. Some people don't see it as hurtful because they really don't mean it to be hurtful. But it is, and it does damage to a department. So there's many reasons. But what I want to say is that there is no reason that's acceptable. It's never okay to hurt someone else that you work with. How does someone know if they are in a bully situation? I think you feel it. And I think that sometimes you feel it before you can identify what it is. Um, I want to share a story. One of the people that was at one of the bullying presentations sent me an email a few months after, and we had talked, and I hope we'll talk today about some things you can do to react to bullying if you're in that situation. But that person sent me an email and said, you may not remember me. I talked to you after your session. I used some of the resources that you provided, and I want to tell you that when I drove to work this morning, for the first time forever, I didn't have a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach as I got closer to my facility. And I thought, wow. And I think when you start to be afraid of what people are going to say to you, when you start to, um, you know, back off because you're afraid you're going to be hurt, I think that when you get that sick feeling, I don't want to work with so-and-so because I know the shift will be uncomfortable. I'm really afraid to go into my department because maybe it's not just one bully. Maybe it's a culture of bullying. And so I think you know that. Um, we have to, you know, go on the other side of that too. And I just need to say, you're not being bullied if your boss says to you, you made a mistake in this instrument set and we need to change it. Now, if they're telling you that you're stupid and worthless, <laughs> and that you're going to be fired for that. Yeah, that's yeah. probably bullying. But, you know, we have to take it with a grain of salt. We're always going to get constructive criticism. We're always going to have areas that we can grow. But 
There's a way to do it positively, and there's a way to do it that crosses into bullying. What advice can you give our listeners if somebody does feel they're being bullied? The first thing I would do is I would suggest that you talk to your manager. And don't just say, I feel bullied, but bring in examples. In this situation, this was said. And and it's not always verbal bullying. Sometimes there are nasty tricks that are played on people. I know some hospitals call it initiation. We're going to do something that makes you feel stupid or makes you get very stressed. And ha-ha, it's really funny, but it's not. And so if you can go to your manager and say, this is what's happening. And these are the the situations. This is what has happened in these situations. And then take their guidance because they should be the one that helps lead you through that bullying process. Don't hold it inside. Do not hold it inside because that's when people start calling in sick. That's when people start lashing out because they are feeling hurt. They're feeling cornered. They don't see an end to it. That's when people quit. People just walk out the door and they give up all that they've learned, and all that they have done. Perhaps they give up their seniority in their facility because they just can't take it. So talk to someone. Don't just hold it inside. What advice can you give if uh, someone were witnessing bullying in their department? This is a hard one, and it is critical because it doesn't fall on the manager who oftentimes is somewhere else in a meeting or doing other things. This should be a department culture issue. And no one should feel good about letting that happen. So um, I, I do a presentation, and the question I ask towards the end of it is, if someone was hitting someone in your department, would you step in to stop that? And everybody says, of course I would do that. Mm-hmm. Well, if someone is hurting someone with words, if someone's hurting them with deeds, would you not step in to stop that? Now, you don't want to get into a big mess yourself, but perhaps if you see it starting, you can just, you know, say to the person that's that's doing it, you know, I don't, that maybe wasn't the kindest thing to say to Natalie, and I think me maybe you maybe hurt her feelings, and kind of call, call them on it so that they know, they may not even realize that they're being, you know, that they're doing something that's bullying. The other thing is talk to the manager. Or tell the person being bullied, you know, if you want to go in and talk to the manager, I will go and support you. I will go in there, I'll be by your side, and I'll corroborate what you have learned, what you've seen, and what and what's going on. And um, anything you can do. And then between the workers in the department, I think what really has to happen is you have to just say, we're not going to have a department with this kind of culture. And move it towards the positive until that bully or those bullies feel that they're the odd man out, they're the odd person, and everybody else is on a more positive level. Now, that's a heavy lift, but yeah. it can be done with an entire group. Addressing bullying is a serious challenge for leaders, you know, and, and for a lot of the reasons that you just discussed. What should a leader do if they are aware of a bullying situation? I think that is one of the hardest things that any manager can face and the first thing I say is get guidance. Deal with people that have dealt with this before. Go to the HR department. You're not the only department in your facility that has had bullying issues. Get someone who knows what to do to help step you through the process and to give you some good guidance. Don't take it on by yourself. Oftentimes, bullying situations turn into a she said, she said, or he said, she said. And what we do is we 
um, it becomes, who do you believe? But there are methods that HR departments have where they can work through that. So don't take it on by yourself. And the other thing I would say to managers that are out there that are um, maybe facing bullying or maybe they're not facing bullying and they don't want to start is take some really concrete steps to prevent it. You know, we are great in still processing to make all kinds of protocols and all kinds of policies and procedures, and we've got a rule for everything. (laughs) I mean, it's just the way it is in our department. But do we have rules for behaviors? Do we set behavioral expectations? Sometimes we just assume that everyone that comes to work in our department will understand professional conduct, and that isn't true. And as I mentioned before, sometimes they don't even know they've crossed that line. Mm -hmm. So if you can sit down and create behavioral expectations, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what language is acceptable, how should you deal with it if somebody says something that hurts your feelings, that makes you, sets you up to a situation where you feel stupid and you feel like you're not supported, you know, what is the process for that? And how can you tell when you've crossed that line? And I think that a lot of behavioral expectations can be measured. You know, people say, oh, behavior can't be measured. I don't, I don't agree with that. Language can be measured. To some degree, tone can be measured. Certainly, when someone is set up to make a mistake or to made, be made to look foolish, those types of things can be measured. And so there needs to be education. I wonder how many of our managers that are listening have ever had an in-service on behaviors. Sometimes what happens is we have them after the problem. And everybody's all already on pins and needles because there's a lot of emotion going on. But what if we had that? What if we brought in someone who could talk about behaviors? You're in a healthcare facility. <laughs> there are lots of professionals that have studied this much more than a sterile processing person. Can you get someone to come in? Can you get the HR to come in and talk about the kind of culture that you want to have? The problems if the culture isn't maintained and then how you can make sure the culture stays at a level where everyone feels supported, everyone feels safe, and everyone feels like they are part of a group, a work group. Because this is the part that really, really is frustrating for me is that so many times when I visit hospitals, and I've certainly worked in enough hospitals in my life, and what I see is that departments want good coworkers. They want to work together. They don't want to be short-staffed. They want to have a fun, happy place where everybody's cohesive. And then they walk into their department and they do tons of things that create the opposite. And so you have to work to earn it, to earn that kind of a culture. And so it has to be a group buy-in. There has to be a standard set. But then people need to say, no, you know what? I don't want to work in a place that's stressful. I don't want to work in a place where people come to work with a knot in their stomach because they're nervous about what might be said or done to them. And I think that when people start to see that we can make it better, most people will want to move in that direction. Now, I want to caution one more thing. I know I'm going on about this topic, John, but I I have a lot of passion about this because the other thing I want to caution is that people, not everybody is going to look at that and say, I want the same culture. Some people will say, I didn't realize that was hurtful. I you know, I'm, I'm going to back off. They may not say it out loud, but they're thinking that. They're thinking I, there are situations where I probably behaved inappropriately and it might hurt a coworker. 
So that's a good thing, and that's a salvageable relationship. But you oftentimes will run into a coworker who just does not want to change, and you'll get that you'll get that excuse. It's just the way I am. It's hmm. just who I am, and that's not acceptable. And that's when the managers need to, with the help of their HR department, work through either making that employee comply with the behavioral expectations or allowing that employee to find a different work group to work in because it's it, it it's not acceptable for any to behave like that. Yes, I, I definitely agree. So last question, uh, can you give our listeners some resources that are available to help them when they're trying to tackle a bullying situation? I absolutely can. And there are so many books on bullying. There are so many online resources that are appropriate. And don't click off a resource just because it says it's for junior high or elementary school playground bullying because you might find you're on a playground when you go to your SPD department. <laughs> there are times when you got to wonder. But there are some good resources out there. And one thing I think it's important is the Joint Commission does not think bullying is acceptable. They consider it not acceptable in the healthcare setting. They have some great resources on their webpage. Go to the jointcommission.org and just do a search for bullying, and there's some great resource. And I think you'll be surprised to find that there are also some, some very interesting ways to deal with bullying, and they don't mince any words. And so maybe that may be a start for a manager to get that information. Maybe you want to run over that at a staff meeting. You want to post it on the bulletin board. Whatever, if you have email for all your staff, send it out in a link. But there is some good information. Another place that does not want to see bullying in the workplace is OSHA. You know, I've talked about Joint Commission, our accrediting agency. Most of us have Joint Commission accreditation. Now I'm talking about government, I'm talking about government regulations. Mm-hmm. So if you go to OSHA.gov, again, type in bullying. And they're a little broader in that because they talk about bullying in the workplace. They don't get down into um, hospitals as much, but a lot of the information is excellent. And then there is a website that I really found a lot of good information on. It's called stopbullying.gov. And if you go to stopbullying.gov, again, it's everything from how to recognize the situation, different steps you can take, different things you can do to educate people around you. And again, don't be frightened because some of it is about school age bullying. But there's a lot that applies, and they also do talk about bullying in the workplace. And I think that for us, we have, in in my estimation, we have so much to do. We have so many responsibilities, and we have to get it right every time because the patient's expected. And I think Joint Commission stepping out and saying bullying is not acceptable just shows us they're behind us. They understand that it impacts the patient. So for me... That's all That's all I need is to know that it's happening in other places and it's not acceptable. So I guess I would say to the listeners to go to stopbullying.gov, check out the OSHA website, go to the Joint Commission website, do a search for bullying, and there's a lot of really helpful information. And I'm just giving a few because it's a short podcast, but I certainly there are other books, there are other other podcasts that deal with bullying. There are certainly different videos and things like that. And again, as a manager, you may want to look at what you can do to help educate your staff. All I know 
The only thing I know is that it's common. It shouldn't be. It's got to be fixed, and we've got to find ways to deal with it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult topic, depending on what side you're on, whether you're managing a bullying situation or if you yourself is in a bullying, you yourself are in a bullying situation. So, thank you for the great information. Thank you for taking your time uh, to talk about this subject with our listeners. Well, thank you, John. Natalie, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. And you know, you know, bullying is a real thing. And so thank you for uh, bringing that to us. Isham Nation, episode 20 is in the books. Thank you for listening to the episode. Don't forget your CE. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes. Fill out the required information and select the code BEDPANS. The code for this episode is BEDPANS. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, Isham Nation, and we'll see you next time.